number two, who who was it who made this change? Okay, now uh, Aramark has has apologized uh, for this, but uh, who has made this change? Now, it also we look and see back in February 2018, Aramark made a similar mistake. They served a meal at New York University in honor of Black History Month that included barbecue ribs, cornbread, collard greens, and Kool-Aid and watermelon and watermelon flavored water. Okay, so here we have watermelon yeah. again. Now, if, yeah. if I want water, I don't want watermelon flavored water. I want water. I want H2O. Okay, so how they get watermelon flavored uh, uh, water? Now, Aramark is based in Philadelphia. I don't know if it was the same employees in 2018 who did that, <laughs> that did it <laughs> February 1st, 2023. I don't know, but it's the same company. Okay, it's two different, it's two different states, but but still. Oh, I'm sorry, it's um. It's no, it's in the same state. It's in the state of New York. It's in the same state. I don't know if it's the same employees, but still you see this theme of watermelon. So where is this coming from? Now, there's nothing wrong with eating watermelon. Watermelon dates back to ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, 5,000 years ago. Okay, there's nothing wrong with eating watermelon. Folks, welcome back to the culture. Uh, I wanted to talk about a story that has gotten some attention. Um, this story is out of the state of New York talking about the global food vendor Aramark and how they are now embroiled in a controversy around cultural sensitivity. Here's the story, folks. Um, Aramark has apologized after they served middle school students in New York State chicken and waffles with a watermelon dessert on the first day of Black History Month. Chicken and waffles. All right, let me share with you what the Griot reported about this. Take a look at this here, folks. Aramark, um, this global food vendor, they apologize. And as a global food vendor and a food vendor that serves schools and other institutions around the world, they issued a statement on Thursday of last week acknowledging the mistake in a letter to parents. Now, they said, according to the statement, while our menu was not intended as a cultural meal, we acknowledge that the timing was inappropriate and our team should have been more thoughtful in its service. This was a mistake. It does not represent the values of our company and we are committed to doing better in the future. Now, according to the principal at Nyack Middle School, David Johnson, Mr. Johnson, which is about 30 miles north of Manhattan, Mr. Johnson said in a letter that Aramark changed the scheduled menu without running it by school administrators, as reported by Lohut. He said, quote, we are extremely disappointed by this regrettable situation and apologize to the entire NIAC community for the cultural insensitivity displayed by our food service provider. He said, I am disappointed that Aramark will serve items that differed from the published monthly menu, especially items that reinforce negative stereotypes concerning the African-American community. Hmm. Interesting. They serve chicken, waffles, and watermelon the first day of Black history. All right, folks, let me just ask you this question. Uh, first and foremost, do you think Aramark was wrong? Let me ask that. Do you think Aramark was wrong? And then the second question I have for you is, is chicken, waffles, and watermelon, is this still offensive to Black people? Should we be offended? Now, I, I've migrated to Los Angeles, folks. And I have to say, like in Baltimore, we didn't have a lot of chicken and waffle spots. Here in Los Angeles and California, you know, Roscoe's, you got a lot of other chicken and waffle places. You can find chicken and waffle places in Inglewood and Beverly Hills. 
So I'm not sure if this is considered to be culturally insensitive. I'm not sure. That's why I'm so happy to have my brother joining me in this conversation. And of course, I want to hear from you folks, my online culture crew. Uh, but we're going to be joined now by my brother, Brother Michael Inhotep, who serves as the host of the African History Network uh, podcast. And you can find it all his the work that he's doing on AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And um, you can definitely check out him on RMU Roland Martin Unfiltered. Brother Michael, good to talk to you once again, sir. Good afternoon. Hey, Faraji, and uh, happy uh, Black History Month as well. Happy Black History Month as well, brother. All right, Brother Michael, you've done, now part of people don't know, at least some, but not everybody may not know, mm -hmm. you're a historian, you're a yes. researcher, but yes. you also worked in business. You worked oh, in yeah, marketing. Yeah. Yeah, you know my degrees in business administration. Yes, all entrepreneurship for seven years, managed business consulting companies. Yes, all those things, right? Big mm -hmm. company, small company, black owned, all like this. Yes. All right. So, is Aramark wrong? Is the is this a, a case of Aramark just being culturally insensitive, or 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 is there something else that we're not seeing here? Well, it, it's culturally insensitive to do that especially on the first day of Black History Month or African-American History Month, as the name has been changed to by Asala Association for the Study of African-American Life and History. Now, it's uh, it, it, we have to determine whether this was an accident or intentional. Now, if we look at the article from the Washington Post, schools vendor served chicken, watermelon, at start of Black History Month from February 6, 2023, it says that uh, the New York Middle School on February 1st was scheduled to be served cheesesteaks, broccoli and fruit for lunch. Cheesesteaks, broccoli and fruit. But somehow the it, it changed, the menu changed to uh, chicken, waffles and watermelon. OK, uh, now one of the questions I would ask. As a vegetarian, okay, where are the vegetables? Number one, you serving this for lunch. Where are the vegetables? Number one, okay. Number two, who who was it who made this change? Okay, now uh, Aaron Mark has has apologized uh, for this, but uh, who has made this change? Now, it also we look and see back in February two thousand eighteen, Aaron Mark made a similar mistake. They served the meal at New York University in honor of Black History Month. That included barbecue ribs, cornbread, collard greens, and Kool-Aid, and watermelon and watermelon flavored water. Okay, so here we have watermelon wow. again. Now, if, wow. if I want water, I don't want watermelon flavored water. I want water. I want H2O. Okay, so how they get watermelon flavored uh, uh, water? Now, Aramark is based in Philadelphia. I don't know if it was the same employees in 2018 who did that, <laughs> that did it <laughs> February 1st, 2023. I don't know, but it's the same company. Okay. It's two different, it's two different states, but, but still, oh, well, I'm sorry. It's, um, it's no, it's in the same state. It's in the state of New York. It's in the same state. I don't know if it's the same employees, but still you see this thing with watermelon. So where is this coming from? Now there's nothing wrong with eating watermelon. Watermelon dates back to ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt 5,000 years ago. Okay, there's nothing wrong with eating watermelon, but there has been a racist trope which has attached African Americans to watermelon, even though basically all races of people in the United States eat watermelon. Okay, and what happened was after emancipation, after slavery ends, uh, uh, chattel slavery ends in 1865, after the Civil War and 13th Amendment, uh, ratified December 6, 1865, watermelon was a crop that we grew, that African Americans grew, that was associated with our self sufficiency. And then as a backlash to that, white Southerners are then going to project it as a racist trope. 
Okay, so the racist trope has dominated in the media, in culture, things like this, menstrual shows, etc. And a lot of us don't understand this this history behind it. Uh, and then in, in 2011, uh, when students at the University of California at Irvine were were served chicken and waffles on Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 2011. Well, yeah, by Aramark, Aramark said his managers and chefs would complete cultural sensitivity train, cultural sensitivity training, uh, and that was reported by the Los Angeles Times. So uh, I keep seeing uh, chicken and uh, chicken and waffles. I keep seeing this pop up. Um, so I don't know if it was intentional, February first, twenty twenty three. But we do see a pattern here. All right, so let me. All right, all right, so all right, so brother Michael, you pulled off the receipts. You laid out the pattern. What's your assessment? What's your final judgment? You think this is all intentional? February first, twenty twenty three. I don't know if it's. In, I don't know if it's intentional, <laughs> but it's. But I'm still trying to find out who made the decision to change the menu. So right, it so, may. So so hypothetically, right. it could have been. And it could have been some employees who did it intentionally and, and the higher ups at Aramark didn't know it. Okay. Right. Which is possible. Let, let, let's, Which, let's, 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 let's just say this because like any company, right? Mm -hmm. You have different levels of management. And then of course you got the CEO. So the right. CEO is not going to be in on every single decision. Right. Especially if the CEO is saying, okay, this is one of our, uh, this is one of our clients. What's the menu? The printed menu says cheese steak. Okay, fine. That's just, you're not thinking about it. And I'm just saying that as a, from a, from a business perspective, you're not thinking about, oh, okay, let me see what they're serving black people on February the 1st. Now, okay, fine. If they didn't serve that, since they served that, if, if uh, a couple of things. If they would have served the, the cheesesteak and say on the third or the fourth day of the month, they served chicken and waffles, would it have been such an issue? Well, I still have a problem with chicken and waffles for lunch uh, in the first place. Feeding that Okay, I still have a problem with feeding children chicken and waffles, and then you put sugary syrup on top of it and then send them back to class. I, I, I have a problem with that. Hey, look, hey, look, you see, you're talking to see, look, you're stating your grievance to the wrong person because I'm a breakfast guy. <laughs> Yo, what? I will eat breakfast all day. You know what okay. I'm saying? Okay. So, yeah. I'm also a vegetarian. So, right, you I know, I, I trust So, they serve chicken. So, let's say this they serve chicken at school anytime. There's no problem. They serve chicken. Right. Um, I guess schools that serve breakfast may have pancakes or waffles. Absolutely. But to serve chicken and waffles for lunch, but that's during Black History and and watermelon, the whole combination, okay? Because chicken is a stereotype associated with African Americans as well. Now, and guess what? We're not mm -hmm. the only ones that love chicken. No, we're not the only ones that love chicken, but we're the ones who perfected cooking chicken and seasoning chicken, and that is the byproduct of slave uh, of slavery. During and, and and a lot of the food that is associated with Southern comfort food or Southern food, a lot of that is food that African-Americans perfected or African-Americans uh, right. uh, uh, enhanced the flavor of it in the way that we seasoned the food. And oftentimes right. we're seasoning the food in ways that reminded us of home, that reminded us of Africa.
Okay, because right, right. we were the ones cooking, largely cooking the food for the, the slave masters and, and, and the families family. and things like this. Right. So he goes deep back into uh, that history. Um, so we still haven't in, in researching the story. We still haven't seen why the change was made, why the change in the menu was made. OK, I still haven't come across that. Right. Right. So so that and that opens up the conversation. Like we, 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 we're still trying to figure out who should be held accountable for this. But I'm going back to even this is that, like you said, this cultural trope that, that we have been kind of stigmatized with that mm -hmm. black folks only love chicken and watermelon. Can we break away from that? Can we can you know, is this something like is this still offensive right now? Because, look, I, and I'm not and I'm, I'm, I love watermelon. I absolutely oh, yeah, absolutely. So it has, so, very, very, so, has very little nutritional value, but yeah, watermelon is good, especially on a I hot get, day. Right. It's but like let me 90, tell you, like, 96, 95%, 94% water. Yes. Right. But mm -hmm. my point is, it's like, should we should we still be offended by that? Uh if it's if it's used in a way to dehumanize and demean African Americans, absolutely. But this this deals with understanding history, number one, and having control of the media, uh, media outlets, number two, to be right. able to fight back, okay? Uh, and, and to be able to put that information out, to be able to hold people accountable and be able to fight back and educate people on what's taking place, educate people on, on the history of why watermelon was demeaned. When we used it as a tool of self-sufficiency, self -sufficiency, and this is something coming from Africa as well, okay? Just like black-eyed peas, those were called, those were cow peas. Cow peas come from West Africa. All right. So there's a, the, 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 you know, when we get into the history of African Americans eating uh, black eyed peas on New Year's Day, yes, that dates back to uh, after slavery when food was scarce, like after the Civil War and things like this. Uh, but, uh, and, and it was looked at as being, you being fortunate to be able to have a meal. Okay. But also, cow peas come from West Africa as well. Uh, this article that I just put here in the chat, people could check this out. How the watermelon stereotype came to be weaponized against black Americans. November 13th, 2022 by businessinsider.com, insider.com. And it goes through some of this history and it talks about um, the, uh, I think it's in here. Yeah, the, uh, the origins of watermelon can be uh, can be dated back approximately 6,000 years ago when it was domesticated through Sudan, Egypt, Ethiopia, Libya and Kenya. Enjoyed by royalty like the Egyptian uh, Nesubiti or Pharaoh or King Tutankhamun, watermelon soon made it to Rome and Greece, later becoming cultivated in Spain after the Arab conquest. You mean after the Moorish conquest, after the Moors invade Spain in 711 right. AD, led by General Tariq Ibn Ziyad. So we see even a history here where Watermelon dates back thousands of years in African history, but then also African-Americans after slavery ends use it as a form of self-sufficiency because it was a crop that we sold to give ourselves some type of economic stability. So we have to understand this history, understand how to fight back against these racist tropes. Look, we got to take a quick pause. We're going to continue the conversation because online culture crew, I need to hear from y'all. Y'all talking about chicken. And look, a lot of black folks love chicken. And guess what? In, 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 and whether it's L.A., Baltimore, guess who's at Popeye's? It ain't just black people. It's Latinos and it's Asians and it's even white people. Let me just tell you, but and I, and I wanted to have this conversation because do you think, folks, that Aramark has done something wrong? Do you think that they that, that because of their pattern 
of serving chicken and waffles during black celebrations, black time of year, that it's just another racist situation. We're going to continue the conversation with Brother Michael and Hotep and certainly with you. So stay with us. It's the culture here on the Black Star Network. Folks, welcome back to the show. We have been talking about the global food vendor Aramark and how they are in hot water after some have called their recent menu at the start of Black History Month culturally insensitive. This was the case when Aramark served uh, at the for the first day of Black History Month for a school, a middle school, chicken waffles with the side of watermelon. Now, they apologize for their unintentional insensitivity after serving these chicken and waffles on the first day of Black History Month. But it has caused us to have a conversation about racist tropes, has taught us to have a conversation about food, and it, of course, white supremacy and racism. We've been having this discussion with my brother, Brother Michael and Hotep, host of the African History Network podcast show. And um, he's also the founder of the AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And of course, folks, I want to hear from you, my online culture crew. What do you think about this Aramark situation? Now, Brother Michael laid out there were many instances over these past few years where Aramark has used chicken and waffles as a meal, a dish for the celebration of black life, black culture in this country. Is it by design? Or it was it unintentional. Now, the other thing about this story, this latest story, is that the school, Nyack Middle School, said that they did not get any type of heads up. They weren't even notified that there was a change on the menu. And when they, when you go back to what the, the children were supposed to be served on the first day of Black History, it was cheesesteaks. It was cheesesteaks. And Brother Michael is happy, is not happy about the fact that it was only like, those type of foods with no vegetables. It was it no was cheesesteaks and broccoli. And bro, oh, okay, that so was gonna, they were going to have a green vegetable they in there. They were going to have some greenery yeah. somewhere. Uh, I want to go back to my online culture crew, folks. Join us. Uh, throw your, uh, your your comments in the chat as we're streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, and of course on BlackStarNetwork.com. Um, Sandy, you said I think it was a misstep. Mm. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. Here's the thing, brother Michael. How is it that these uh, companies, as big and uh, as Aramark, a company that has had this issue in the past, how are they still making a misstep, as Sandy calls it? How are they? How 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 do they still make a misstep of this magnitude? Well, I don't know how many employees that Aramark has. Uh, I know they are a huge. Uh, corporation. Uh, they have, they have, and this is, we do know they have contracts with both the school system and, and prisons. prisons. Yeah, they provide foods uh, for prisons as well. Um, and in a statement from Aramark, they said that they serve millions of meals every day, and our team does an excellent job meeting the needs of the communities we serve. But in this case, we made an inexcusable mistake and we apologize. So, um, I, I I still am waiting to find out why was the change made, who made the change, and why was the change made. And uh, Aramark needs to be pressed on this. The NAACP needs to jump in on this. National Urban League. That we need to find what would you out. Press them on? Say that again. What would what would be the what would be the pressure? What what would well what one the press them on? What one we would uh, call them out on possibly being culturally insensitive, number one. 
Okay. Number two, the other thing is, is like when we look at um, in 2018, the um, in New York University, okay, February 2018, when uh, Aramark served uh, for Black History uh, and out of Black History Mother, they served ribs, cornbread, collard greens, Kool-Aid, and watermelon-flavored water. Well, the next year, New York University ended, ended its contract with Aramark, uh, according to the student newspaper, to provide that university with food. Okay, so we can leverage our our economics to enforce an agenda as well. The, the school schools, uh, universities, they can reassess their vending contracts to provide food that Aramark has. And 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 a lot of times when instances like this happen, um, is like uh, when you had the. Uh, uh, is the company that licenses Sesame Street, and they had the instances of possible uh, uh, ignoring African American children, and right. then other parents started coming out saying, "Hey, the same thing happened to my child." Right. We may see some other stories about other schools where the same thing has happened, dealing with Aramark. Okay, mm. so so we have leverage. We have leverage here. We have to understand how to use the leverage that we have. That's true. That is very true. Karen, my sister, you check it in, Karen Connor. You said no company should decide which food should be served without asking by way of a vote by the parents and students. Soul food is delicious, however. Caribbean, African, and others eat different foods. Right. So if this, so let me ask you, and this is also the part of the cultural part of the discussion. And Karen, I appreciate you for bringing that point up. Because if this was, I don't know, a day to celebrate latin and in mexican culture and they serve tacos or some sort of latin you know mexican dish would that be deemed offensive yeah you may have some you may have some in latino community because that's a that's a stereotype eating tacos okay which is a mexican food and all and and all latinos don't eat the same type of food because they come from different parts of the world what? Right. They're all they're all they, they speak Spanish usually as right. a first language, but all all Latinos are not not saying you're saying this, but all right, Latinos no, are saying. not Mexicans. OK, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. You had right, Cubans, right. El Salvadorians, Venezuelans, things like that. All all Latinos are not Mexicans. OK, so uh, if, if you if you're uh, celebrating and, um, uh, you know, Latino heritage, and you serve tacos that could be <laughs> that could be looked at as being stereotypical so you're trying to group you're trying to stereotype all latinos and say this is what they eat okay so but see that's the thing though and see that's mm -hmm. the thing that's why i'm happy to have this conversation with you brother michael because it almost gets to the point where we're expecting non-living institutions i.e for-profit companies we, we, we kind of want them to be human in their interaction with us, where they're just simply tools for capitalism. They are just profit-making entities, right? And we're like, no, but in order for you to get my money, in order for me to become your customer, you need to be, uh, um, you need to be more culturally sensitive to what my needs are. But I'm wondering, even in that effort, is it even realistic? To have a company that gets it right with every, I mean, there's so many different people that that are in this country, let alone in some of these cities and states, that you're not going to get it right now. Am I giving Airmark Airmark a hook? You know, getting them off the hook? No, but I think that it requires us to have some conversation about what is 
what is that thing we're going to fight on and what's the thing we can be like all right let's let's just let this go you know what i mean because there are so many bigger things right culturally that we need to still deal with and if you get caught up and said you know i'm black i don't want no chicken i don't want no kool-aid when everybody in my network Black folks say, yeah, I love chicken. I eat it all the time. I love watermelon. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't eat chicken. I'm a vegetarian. I don't I, eat chicken. But so, so he, he, here's the thing. Um, in business, there's something called corporate responsibility. Okay, right and, right, and, right. and and corporations do have a duty. And this deals with the, if you go to business school, you take classes like social ethics, or you may take some type of class that deals with corporate responsibility. They do have a responsibility to, to um, service and respect the communities that they're in and profit from also. And there's been more of an effort over, probably like the past 20 or 30 years to really understand corporate responsibility and understand a relationship with the consumer as opposed to just selling something to the consumer and reaping the profit from it. You have to also uh, have some respect for the people who you make money from and people who understand their history, culture, uh, much better than others will hold corporations to to a higher standard they will hold corporations more responsible now one of the problems with african americans because we've been largely stripped of our history and culture language spiritual systems mores folklore family ties nationality etc and we've largely been taught to see reality through the eyes of europeans and largely taught to hate ourselves um, the reason why many of our people don't fight back is because many of our people don't think they're worth fighting for. The reason why many of our people don't fight back, especially against white supremacy and racism of any significance, I, I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about marching. Okay. But of really any significance, leveraging our economics to enforce our political agenda and redistribute the pain. As Dr. King said, April 3rd, 1968, in his last speech, I've been to the mountaintop. Uh, and we understand our economic power. If you don't think you are worth having anything better, if you don't think you're worth being treated better, if you listen to music on a daily basis, they, daily basis that dehumanizes you, calls you an N-word, a B, an H, a thought, and things like this, you're going to be less reluctant to demand respect from other people. Yeah. Okay. Unless it's a march that happens behind somebody being killed by police, things like that. And that is important, but at the same time, we can't keep calling ourselves N-words and participate in behavior that dehumanizes us on a daily basis and then ask people to respect us. No, okay? I agree. Yeah, I agree. we got to have agree. respect for ourselves first. And people who have respect for themselves, people who understand their history, they fight back when you have incidences like this. So in, in real Brooklyn, my guy, you, you brought up a point and I had to just do a quick, quick search. You said in response to conscious thought, you said a white dude owns Popeyes. What's your point? A white man by the name of Alvin Copeland, uh, Alvin Charles Copeland, is the founder. He's a white male who serves, who's the founder of Popeyes. Now, Popeyes is branded as a southern black company. Well, yeah, because you're dealing with chicken and... Uh, they have they they would have a black woman as a spokesperson, Louisiana right. Louisiana uh, Popeyes things like this, and then Kentucky Fried Chicken 
had a white man as a spokesperson, Colonel Sanders, which, decades which, ago. I mean, which at least he was real about who who brought the chicken. Right, but but we have to understand it was African Americans who perfected I making chicken but, but and seasoning thing, chicken. Yep. Here's the thing, and this is something that you just mentioned. You're right. Black folks, we perfected the recipe of fried chicken, mm-hmm. but white people capitalized off of that perfection. Yeah. Right? Yeah. White yeah. people understand the uh the power of branding of branding and marketing. And so to the untrained eye, you would look at Popeye and be like, that's a black owned company. Uh okay. I wouldn't, but okay. <laughs> no, I'm saying to you, no, no, come on, brother Michael. You, you right. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> right, right. I would I wouldn't think it's a black owned company. But, I but mean, yeah. To the untrained eye, you would think either the black woman is the owner or the black woman is a spokesperson for a black company, not understanding that these companies and I think this is this is this is why I say this is the cultural part about it. We want to humanize companies that are set up to just make money. We're trying to humanize them to appeal to our own humanity. And I'm trying to figure out to myself if that isn't even realistic. Is that is that something that we need to get out of the behavior of? Um, we can uh, we can hold corporations accountable especially corporations that we spend hundreds of millions of billions of dollars with. And, right. and you have to, you have to do that. We have to renegotiate our relationship with corporate America okay. to understand yeah. that it has to right. be. Okay. And like this you. is something, this is something one of my teachers, Dr. Claude Anderson has been talking about for years and a lot of our people don't understand. So where is it, whether it's a two-way relationship as opposed right. to just a one-way relationship where we're just spending money with them. Okay. How, what percent, what percent, what percentage of the contracts, do African-American-owned advertising agencies have with Popeyes because we spend so much money with them? What percentage of their deposits do they put in Black-owned banks? What percentage of the contracts do African-American-owned businesses have with Popeyes, whether it's for delivery, whether it's suppliers, different things like this? People who understand business operate at a different level and go after the money. Okay, we spend this uh, we spend this money with you on, on a yearly basis, and you know I, I've I've managed companies where we had contracts like with charter schools for janitorial services. We've had city contracts, things like this. So people who understand business operate at a different level and focus on uh, a return on their investment and and deal with renegotiating their relationship with uh, with corporate America and understand our banks, our our advertising agencies, our different businesses, catering services, limousine services. Those are all businesses and they need, they need contracts. They need business to thrive and expand. Okay. And and, and look, to your point, because we got to take a quick pause, but to your point, brother Michael, that's the other part while they are talking about, and I'm talking about folks that find uh, that founded these restaurants and these companies, they're going after the money. We have been conditioned to look at, how they make us feel, how, you know, the culture. So we're, we're focused, we've been, we've been conditioned to focus on that part of the, that part of their, of their business plan. Okay, what what we see in the commercials, things like right, that. Yeah. Right, right. Well, we haven't been taught to, taught to so focus on the money. On the cultural side of it, we're not mm-hmm. seeing, we're not, we're not, and I'm not saying all of us, but some of us are not looking at that at the end of the day, the reason that they make us feel this way, because, the bottom line is to get our money. Well, not only that, we have to uh, reorientate ourselves when it comes to money, because if we are preaching socialism, 
you ain't going to understand capitalism. You're not going right, to understand right, how right. to take advantage of those opportunities and leverage the dollars that you make to take advantage of those opportunities. And, and, and just to add to this, as we wrap up, if we go to all of the companies, if we go down a list, we make a list of all of the companies that we buy our goods and services from. And we find that there's a white man, a white woman, white family behind it. We're not in a space. And unfortunately, we're not in the space just yet in this country to, to go totally black. Right. We don't. There is no totally speaking, black, right. Right. black alternative to Aramark. Right. To, 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 because I think that's the part of us. And this is why black folks are in. You know, I think for a lot of us, we're in a kind of a schizophrenic space because mm -hmm. we're trying to we're trying to settle the cultural side of us. But then at the same time, we know that we got to we got to spend money. Right. We got to make sure that we get our goods and services. And so we go through this 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 kind of conflict within ourselves. And so it's like you look at an Aramark, you're like, okay, okay, y'all were wrong. They send out an apology letter, but you can't get around Aramark because they're such of a major company. Well, we have to. We you, have unless to you start able... packing your children every day. Right. Well, see, this is why we have to understand history and understand economics to understand that we have to renegotiate our relationship with corporate yeah. America, to understand we have the power to be able to think on that level, yeah. to, to demand something more than what we have. And, and, and most people don't, don't focus on, wait a second, what, how much money do these corporations spend on an annual basis on contracts? And then what percentage of those contracts do African-Americans get? This is something that Roland keeps talking about when it comes to advertising. This is what a lot of people don't understand when it comes to Black-owned media. We're only getting yep. a drop in the bucket when it comes to uh, advertising dollars coming from these white corporations that we spend billions of dollars, dollars with on an annual basis. Other people don't tolerate stuff like that. Absolutely. As we close, DeAndre, I think you said it best, and you just mentioned Brother Roland. DeAndre, you said, like Roland likes to say, Faraji, we put the show in show business. That is, this applies to that as well. We like the show. They love the business. All right, we folks, we got to take another quick pause. Right, right. Uh, we got to take another quick Hotep, pause. Hotep, hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network and host of the African History Network show. So some of you all saw me on Faraji Muhammad's show, The Culture, today uh, on Monday, February 6, 2023. And we talked about a story out of New York. And it dealt with the middle school where uh, lunch was served by uh, Aramark Corporation on the first day of Black History Month, February 1st, 2023. And the lunch that was served consisted of chicken, watermelon and uh, waffles. And we started talking about stereotypes of African-Americans and how watermelon became a racist trope, a racist stereotype, even though watermelon dates back to about 5,000 years ago in ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet. And I talked about Black History Month and this year's annual theme for Black History Month, which is Black Resistance, Black Resistance. Well, I want to invite you to um, free lectures that I'm doing on Saturdays in February, 12 noon uh, Eastern Standard Time, dealing with Black Resistance Movements, Black Resistance Movements. And we're going to look at different Black Resistance Movements, which, are, which is the annual theme for uh, Black History Month this year. And it's been an annual theme going back to uh, 1928. OK, we're going to look at some of the origins of Black History Month and 
uh, we're going to go and look at different aspects of history, whether we talk about uh, the civil rights movement, whether we talk about abolitionists, uh, whether we deal with uh, Marcus Garvey and the Universal Negro Improvement Association. Uh, this is the official annual theme for uh, Black History Month, African American History Month, uh, Black Resistance. So we'll look at Black Resistance movements. We'll look at uh, everything from uh, Malcolm X and look at the Nation of Islam to movements of uh, African Americans like during the Great Migration and look at our history of fighting against white supremacy and racism. Uh, whether we're talking about the Black Power Movement and the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, uh, et cetera. OK, so join us on Saturdays uh, or 12 noon to uh, 12 noon to uh, about 1 p.m. or 1 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, visit our website, The African History Network, TheAfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for these free lectures uh, that I'm doing. We had a great presentation that I did on Saturday, February 4th. And that ended up being uh, four hours, okay? Saturday, February 4th, that ended up being four hours. Uh, and these lectures are gonna start at 12 noon uh, Eastern Standard Time. If you miss the presentation that I did on Saturday, February 4th, you can uh, still register for right now. It's right on the homepage of our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. And we dealt with some of the history of Black History Month, African-American History Month. Uh, we dealt with the, um, uh, uh, dispelled a lot of myths about Black History Month as well. It was never designed to be the only time of the year that we study our history. We dealt with some of the history of Dr. Carter G. Woodson as well and why he created Negro History Week, which started out uh, the second weekend, uh, the second week in February. OK, so we went through and covered a lot of uh, ground and originally that presentation was supposed to be three hours. I was going to do 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., but we ended up doing four hours. So you can still go register for the February 4th free lecture that I did. It's on demand at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. And the reparations movement is a, is a fight against uh, white supremacy and racism as well. That's the type of black resistance movement. And we talk about reparations. We have to talk about Cali House as well, who's fighting for reparations going back to 1898. And then join us Saturday. Um, join us Saturday at 12 noon uh, Eastern Standard Time as well for the uh, next lecture. So we'll continue in this series. We're going to do each Saturday uh, in February dealing with black resistance movements, okay? Then join me at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, starting Saturday, February 11th, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for class number one of my new 12-week online class, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. So this is a 12-week online course. Uh, that I've been teaching on and off since 2017. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We can't start studying our history in slavery. We first have to understand thousands of years of history that leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And we have to understand the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors and the teachings from the Nile Valley region of Africa that the Moors take into Europe that will bring Europe out of the dark ages.
So class number one starts up Saturday, February 11th, 2023. Uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade. You can register for that right here uh, at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. It's on sale $80, regularly $130. You can watch from around the world. We do sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. And even after the course is over with, you can go back and watch it over and over again. So a year from now, two years from now, you can watch the entire class. Okay. Then starting up um, Sunday, February 26th, we'll have class number one uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1800 to 1968. And this was the class number one will start up uh, Saturday. I mean, start up Sunday. Class number one will start up on Sunday, February 26th. Uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That class is the same structure, and it's on sale $80, regularly $130. Then free sessions uh, uh, that I did previously that you can register for and watch. And if you watch those free sessions, you definitely want to register for the full course. We have a bundle pack where you can register for both classes for uh, only $100. So that's uh, over 200, that's close to a $300 value because they're going to be five bonus lectures that you get uh, when you register for ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understand the transatlantic slave trade. And one of those bonus lectures will include the lecture I did on November 19th, 2023, which deals with the new Black Panther movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. All right, so hopefully you're learning a lot this month. Hopefully you're learning a lot from the African History Network. Join me Saturday, February 11th, 2023 um, for uh, uh, for black resistance, uh, for black resistance movements, uh, the free lecture. And we have the information right on the homepage of our website, the African history network.com, the African history network.com. Uh, if you'd like this type, type of information, also you can support the African history network dollar sign, the AHN show through cash app dollar sign, the AHN show through cash app. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, etc. cetera. Uh, if you want to advertise with the African History Network, email us at ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com. We have three advertising packages, uh, and we can help you reach thousands of people across the country on a weekly basis. Listen to the African History Network show Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. And I will also be posting a uh, article that I wrote dealing with the history of African-American History Month as well. We'll have that on the homepage of our website. Also, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. All right. We have to get out of here. Uh, remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.